has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God wants us to live well. Don't you believe that today? But pastor, we live in a crazy world in a crazy time. I'll agree with that. But you know, God is not taken by surprise by the world that we live in. He is fully aware. In fact, it's part of his plan because he ultimately is bringing us all to redemption, to a place eternally where we're going to live forever in his glory. What a wonderful time that's going to be. But until then, we have the, the ability and the potential to live well. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I know I said chapter 4, but I was mistaken. It's like that guy that he said, I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. It's actually chapter 5. I, w- I want to begin reading at verse 12, but I'm going to concentrate my thoughts today on verses 16, 17, and 18. But join me in your Bibles, if you will, at verse 12. It says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and that admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Father, thank you for your word today. I ask you to help me to be an encourager today. Uh, It is my desire to edify this wonderful body of Christ. Lord, I thank you for the lives that they live before you and the faithfulness that so many of them possess. I pray that today when we leave this house that we will be encouraged by the reality that you have given us a plan of action that will help us to live successfully in these last days, these final days before you return. Lord, I believe that you have called us to victory. You have called us to be overcomers. You've not called us to be barely get buyers. You have not called us to be complainers. You've called us to overcome. And so I pray today that as we look to your word, that you will give us the insight that we need to receive it, to put it to work in our lives so that these last days that we live in before you come come to receive us will be the best days of our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name and we give you the praise. Amen and amen. Now, the whole entire context here is a, a letter that is written by the apostle to the church at Thessalonica. 
And he is preparing them for what they believe would be the last days before Jesus came again. Let me remind you very quickly, Jesus is coming again. He is coming again. I, I know that many would say, well, you know, pastor, we've been hearing that for years and years and years. But I don't know if it's really true. Maybe we've misinterpreted that. No, no, Jesus is coming again. And until he does come again, we are to live as victors. We are epistles unto him. We are his representatives on this earth. And our testimony is one that he will use to bring others into the kingdom of God. So you are very important to the kingdom of God today. Don't let anyone ever tell you that you don't have a place in the kingdom of God or that you're not valuable. You're very valuable. You are a representative of Jesus Christ on this earth. So your testimony is important. And so in this particular passage of scripture... And in this entire uh, chapter, this entire book, he is giving them some idea of what to expect. In fact, chapter 4, we read very frequently at graveside services where it talks about those uh, uh, who are in the grave before those who are alive will be caught up together in the air. It's, it's what we refer to as the rapture. And then in chapter 5, he starts talking about the coming of the Lord and until he comes, how do we live? And in verse 12, he begins giving them what we, uh, what my Bible says is the final instructions and the benediction to the letter. Now, have you ever had somebody give you the final instructions? They're saying to you, now I'm going, I'm leaving, I'm going to be in another place now, but here's the information that you need to know because while I'm gone, you'll need to be able to draw upon this. You'll need to be able to activate this in your life. And so he begins in verse 12 by saying, we ask you, brothers, and by the way, that, that also means sisters. Aren't you glad for that? To respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. In other words, what he's saying is uh, you need to find someone with some spiritual wisdom who can teach you and preach to you and let you know what the word of the Lord is. Uh, we, we've got this system in our society today where we go wherever it makes us feel good. And really what we need to do is put ourselves under someone's leadership Someone with character and someone with integrity, someone with a knowledge of the Word of God, and say, I may not like everything that this person says to me, but I'm going to receive the Word of God, and when I'm admonished by the Word of God, I'm going to receive it, and I'm going to be thankful for that individual who is over me in the Lord and is preaching the word of God in a way that I can understand it and in a way that I can activate it in my life. So I'm thankful for people who are over me in the Lord. I'm thankful for people who can give me knowledge and understanding and wisdom that I wouldn't have without them. And I'm thankful for, at times, them saying to me, that's not a good idea for you. Or that's not something you should be considering. You need to consider this. I'm thankful for people like that who have helped me to make proper decisions at times in my life when I needed to operate 
under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and not based on what my flesh told me to do. It's very easy for us to want to live and walk according to our feelings, which is born in the flesh, rather than taking a journey in the Spirit that will always take you deeper and take you higher at the same time. So he said, I admonish you to get someone like that in your life and be thankful for them. And then he said, be at peace among yourselves. Stop, stop quarreling with one another. Stop, stop having arguments that really don't matter. Then verse 14, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. I like that that says admonish the idle. You know what that, that, you know what that means? That means that there will be people around you who are gossipers. They, they think they have all the answers. They think they have all the information that you need. And they're willing to come and tell you everything that they think you ought to know. And the scripture tells us that we are to admonish people like that. You know what that means? That means we're to say, oh, wait a minute. Back years ago, we used to say, talk to the hand, baby. I'm not hearing that. I don't want that. I don't need that in my life. And I'm asking you not to bring that kind of information to me any longer. You say, well, can you do that? Oh, yeah. The Bible tells you to do it. Admonish them. Say, listen, I don't want to hear that because it will change the way uh, that I feel about this situation or this person. And I don't need that information. We, we all have people in our lives that they want to get us all the information that, that they think we need. The scripture says if you're going to live successfully in the last days, you don't need people like that in your life. You need to admonish them. The way you do that is you just say, look, I love you with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, 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 I'm not saying anything, hopefully, that will be harmful for, to you, but I do not want to hear it, and therefore I'm asking you politely and in a nice way, when you feel like you need to gossip, don't call me. How many of you remember in the old days they used to have those telephones, they were called party lines? Anybody remember those? Uh, everybody, you know, could have access or a number of people could get access to those party lines. And you could get on there, you didn't have to say a word, you could find out everything that was going on in town. Let me tell you something, some of you don't need that information. Sometimes we just need to take a break from Facebook or Snapchat or Twitter or whatever the case. It's amazing how much holier I feel and how much happier I feel when I just take a good break from Facebook. I've never seen so much drama in all my life as what you can see there. It's a good thing. I'm thankful that we can use it for as a ministry tool and to stay in contact with family members around the world. But listen, just because it's on Facebook doesn't mean that we have the authority to tell everything that we know and everything that we feel. That was all free. It wasn't in my notes. I, I wasn't going to say anything about that, but apparently we needed to hear it today. It says, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted. That means those who are weak, those who are living in fear. It doesn't mean to go to them and say, shame on you for allowing fear to come into your life. What it means is to encourage them that if God is asking you to do this, 
You can do it because he will give you the power. He will give you the authority. He will give you the knowledge, the understanding, the wisdom that you need to be able to be successful in dealing with this particular situation. So don't be afraid. Don't be faint-hearted. Then it says help the weak. Now this word weak here is implying that there are people that they have no way to help themselves. They, they either don't have the learning they don't have the knowledge. They don't have the, the, the resources to be able to change their circumstance. And so in a situation like that, it becomes the, the responsibility of the body of Christ to encourage them and to help them to be able to move from one place to another place, from a place of weakness to a place of strength. And let me tell you something, when we are acting in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to be afraid of anything that might get on us. I'm not the least bit afraid. I'm not the least bit afraid I'm going to catch somebody's sickness or disease. I'm not afraid. I don't test all my water bottles to make sure Miss Joyce didn't put poison down in them before I started drinking from it. I, I, yeah, I don't worry about it because the scripture says that we are involved in the work of God, that no serpent's going to harm us, no poison's going to harm us, nothing's going to get on us because God's protection is upon us when we are working in his kingdom. You say, well, what about all the martyrs and what about all those? What about it? They just transferred out of this earth into the, the kingdom of God that to be absent from the body means to be present with the Lord. I'm telling you, God has a plan of protection for his people. So he said, help the weak and be patient with them. It may take some time to help them. So, well, you should already know this by now. You know, I've been praying for you and praying for you, and I've prayed for you and prayed for you and prayed for you. I'm not going to pray for you anymore. Well, sure you will, because we're to pray and keep on praying. Ask, keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Because if we ask and keep on asking, we'll receive. If we seek and keep on seeking, we will find. If we knock and keep on knocking, the door will be opened unto us. So we are going to encourage and edify those around us who are weak. And we're going to be patient through the process. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. I don't spend a whole lot of time here, but listen, there are people in this world that have done us wrong. There are people that have done things to us that irritated us and aggravated us and made us unhappy. But the scripture says, don't try to get even with them. Don't try to call them out publicly. Don't try to say to other people, you need to watch yourself around this individual. Instead, sow seeds of goodness into them and put it in the Lord's hands because the Lord said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. So our job's just to love people. It doesn't matter what color their skin is. It doesn't matter what their preferences are. Our job is to love them with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So we love them. And then we get down to verse 16, and he says, Rejoice always. And that's my first point. All the other preaching that I just did was free. It didn't cost anything. It's just my introduction. Rejoice always. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, this is going to be real deep. I want you to hold on to your britches 
Because this might set some of you back in your understanding. Rejoice always means rejoice always. That means that God has equipped us to be a rejoicing people. You say, well, does that mean I'm supposed to be happy about this and happy about that and happy over here and happy over there? No, it means that we can create an atmosphere, though, wherein there is rejoicing around us. I don't want to be one of those people where people look and see, oh, here comes Pastor Rob. Let's go. Let's get out of here quick. He's a mean old man. He, he's an ugly man. He, he's got an ugly spirit about him. He's got one of those ugly attitudes on him, and I don't want to be anywhere around him. No, I want to be one of those people that when they see me coming, you know, they say, I like being around him. He's a happy fella. He's got a smile on his face. He encourages me. He edifies me. He makes me feel good when I feel terrible. He somehow puts something in me that I can't quite understand, but it makes me rejoice. I don't know when he comes around. It just makes me want to dance. It just makes me want to break out and dance in song. It just makes me want to smile. Why? Because he is a man who loves to rejoice in life. Amen. Man, I was raised in one of those old time Pentecostal, traditional, mean as a snake churches that you've ever wanted to be in in your life. Never, Nobody ever told me that God was good and that life could be happy and we could live abundant life. It was always about what you can't do. I mean, I'd bring my friends from school and they'd come to church. First of all, there'd be a Holy Ghost breakout. Every time I'd bring somebody, it was like, oh, Jesus, now I got to get past all that in order to get them interested in you. And then when they finally come to the altar and give their life to Jesus Christ, there'd be some little old saint off to the side and say, hallelujah, now that you're saved, you can't do nothing no more. You can't, you can't dance and you can't swim. If there's a good girl in the pool, you got to get out because you might lust after her and you can't be in that pool with her and you can't go to the moving pictures and you can't have, you just basically, now that you're saved and you've been brought into this life of abundance in Jesus Christ, you can't do diddly squat. Nobody ever told me that God loved me, that God cared for me. Nobody ever, they said, you can't dance. You know what dancing does? It leads to sex. And you can't do that now, you can't. Now listen, there's some good teaching in some of that thinking. But what we have done is we have allowed our cautions to overshadow the goodness of God. God loves us. He wants us to rejoice in life. He wants us to be happy. And so you know what you need to do? You need to start working some things into your life that will make you happy. You need to start putting some things in your life that will cause you to rejoice. I'll tell you what, I was, I've been making some trips down back and forth to Mount Washington, and I've, I've been turning the radio on and listen. I, you know, I'm very cautious about what I listen to because I don't want to be listening to whose who's, who's bed have your boots been under and things like that that get into my spirit and cause me to think I wonder whose boots are under my bed, you know? But, but there's a few things, there's a few things that I really like. Oh, I'm telling you, I heard James Taylor the other day. Whenever, you, whenever I see your smiling face, I have to smile myself. 
Because I love you. Yes, I do. Ding, 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 ding. When I, you know what I'm saying? I love it. Now, if you're going to be one of those old foul, traditional, can't have no fun, you can't listen to James Taylor anymore. You can't listen to You've Got a Friend. You can't listen to that anymore. Or you know what you can do? You can let the Spirit of God within you discern what needs to be out of your life and what can come into your life and bring rejoicing and happiness. I remember our song many years ago. Well, I'm lost without your love. Life without you isn't worth the trouble. I'm as happy as... I sing at each other. We look at each other starry-eyed. I'm telling you, I like living with rejoicing. I like a good, I like a happy life, don't you? And he says rejoice always. Some of you just need to go home, take a shower after church. Get all that nasty attitude off of you and just let it go right down the drain. And where you're standing there in all of your glory before God, say, Lord, I want you to help me to put on my happy suit now. I'm going to start rejoicing. I'm going to start living in the love of Jesus Christ. I want to rejoice always. Now, before I go on, I want to make sure that you understand I ain't mad at anybody. In fact, I'll say to to you again what I say pretty frequently around here. I'm so happy to have the privilege to pastor a church where we have happy people around here. We, oh, you know, there's a one or two sour pussies, but for the most part, you know, we, don't, we ignore them anyway. People come in and they rejoice and they're happy to be here and they're glad that Jesus saved them from their sins and they're happy to be on their way to heaven and they're happy to be around people that they can love and rejoice with. Thank you. For rejoicing in the Lord always. And then he says, you're going to have to pray without ceasing. Now, you just can't go to bed at night. Now, I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Listen, that's cute when you're two. But when you're 42, you should be able to pray on a different level than that. I'm going to say one other thing that some of you haven't yet caught. And that is prayer is not just always asking for something. It's that, Lord, give me this daily bread. And then tomorrow, Lord, give me this daily bread. And tomorrow, give me this daily bread. At least say it backwards. Every now and then say something different. Every now and then take a chance on building that relationship with God. You know what prayer is? Prayer is just simply communicating with God. That's what it is. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be Adam and Eve before the fall where they were able to walk around in the garden and communicate with God? The scripture says that God walked with them in the cool of the evening. Wouldn't that have been awesome just to be able to walk in the very presence of God and to know that he's there and he loves us and he cares about us and that everything that we can see with our eyes was created by him for us so that we could enjoy life? Wouldn't that have been great. I have good news for you. When you come into Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in you. It's a spirit of promise that God gives you. And you have the same privilege today to walk in the joy of the presence of the Lord, just like Adam and Deep did in the beginning of creation. I take him with me everywhere I go. 
There's not a day that I take him out and say, now, Jesus, I, Spirit of God, I'm going to need you to stay right here now because I'm going to go some places where I don't want you to know about. I'm going to go do some things that I, want you to, I don't want you to know. I'm going to go say some things that I don't want you to hear. I'm going to do, no, it doesn't work that way. You can't take the Holy Spirit in and out of you and put him on and take him out. No, when the Spirit of God came in, he was married to you. And he lives within you every day of your life. I don't have to come to church to pray. I don't have to have my closet to pray. I don't have to pray in a particular place. I don't have to pray in the King James Version. Oh, Father, thou fatherest of lighteth, I beseech you today on behalf of my, my sister and wife, whom I love and careth about so deeply. You don't have to pray like that. Use your Kentucky voice. Use your redneck voice. That's what we, God speaks fluent redneck. How many of you know that? He loves you. He just wants to hear from you. He wants to talk to you. I'm telling you, I weird people out when I'm in the vehicle. I really do. Because I pray out loud in the vehicle. I'm going down the street and I'm praying to Jesus. And I always act like he's sitting in the seat right beside me. He's not. He's inside me. But sometimes I'll, I'll, just, I'll just look over at Jesus in my mind and say, it's good to have you along for the ride today, Jesus. Glad, you, glad you're here. I'm going here and there and wherever. But, it, you know, if you want to take me somewhere else, that, that's okay too. And I just start talking to Jesus. I start praying and communicating with the Lord. And there have been a few times I've pulled up to some stop signs and people in the car next door look over at me. And I'm talking to nobody. And they think I'm crazy. I am crazy. I'm crazy about Jesus. And I take him everywhere I go. And I communicate with him. You know, prayer is more about asking. And it's also about declaring. Lord, I know what your word says about this. I've asked you about this before. I'm not going to keep bugging you by asking the same thing. I'm going to start declaring what your word says about that situation. Lord, I've asked you to heal my body, and I believe you're the divine healer. But I also remember that your word declares by your stripes I'm healed, and that healing is the children's bread, and that it's one of the benefits uh, that the psalmist spoke about. Uh, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And one of those benefits is healing to our bodies. I'll tell you, it's time for us to start praying and believing the scripture over our lives. Pray without ceasing. I prayed for my husband that he'd stop being mean. Well, what'd you quit for? Keep praying. If he's still mean, don't stop. But don't pray in his presence. Don't go to where he is and say, oh, Jesus, I lay my hands upon this mean man. I pray that you'll soften his spirit and help him to love me better. In Jesus' name. I remember a lady in church. This way back in the years ago when we used to stand up and give, give um, you know, prayer requests. She stood up and she said, I want you all to help me pray for my husband. He's mean to me. He's foul. He says things to me that I don't like. And he was sitting right beside her. 
and say, I pray the Lord will save his sorry soul. Let me tell you something. They probably are not going to want the same Jesus that you're proclaiming. Can I just be honest with you about it? They don't want that Jesus. They want a different Jesus that allows forgiveness to take place and love in difficult times. In dark days, we pray without ceasing. And then he said, give thanks in all circumstances. The other day I was working off of a ladder and, and I was doing okay. You know, you remember, I'm not old, right? I just, I'm, I'm young, 59 years old, got all kinds of energy. You ever had a ladder walk off from you? Anyone? I, I did this week. I, I was up high and I took my last step off of the ladder. And when I did, I was trying my best not to push with my foot. But apparently when I pushed with my foot, it released the ladder and, and the ladder started dancing around like this a little bit. I'm going around the room and I'm... I'm, but first of all, it's amazing how quickly you can pray the will of God when you have to, right? I mean, you don't have to ask for fancy words. It's, oh, God, don't let it fall over. <clears throat> and it didn't fall over, but it was far enough away that I had to stand there for a minute and think, now how am I going to get that back over here? How am I? And I thought about asking for a supernatural miracle, God. It danced over on its own. Let it dance back in Jesus' name. But that didn't work. That ladder just sat there. It did not dance not one inch back towards me. And so I had to work on it. And I finally, I'm sitting on a ledge and I've got my leg out. And I'm reaching and I'm reaching and I'm reaching. And I'm still not reaching far enough. And so then I start leaning and reaching at the same time. And I'm praying, God help me. And I got it back. I got my foot hung on the side of it. I said, okay, let me catch my breath now. Lord, I don't want to panic and do something that I ought not do. And Lord, please don't let me have a seizure right now. I need my leg to be completely still. And I reached over and I started pulling it back and dragging it back, dragging it back, dragging it back. And got it back over there. Let me tell you. It was the appropriate time to give praise to the Lord. I said, thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to have to jump down off of this ledge. I thank you that you helped me. You gave me wisdom. You helped me out. Listen, there are times that we just have to give thanks in every circumstance, in every situation. You say, you may have to give thanks by faith, because you have not yet seen the end result of what God is going to do. But if you will thank him by faith and know that God has his hands upon you, then you can, you can be grateful. Now what he's talking about here and rejoicing always, come help me quit if you will. See what time it is. Oh man, I got all kinds of time. Got all kinds of time. All of these things that he's telling us here, rejoice always, Pray without ceasing and giving thanks in all circumstances. He gives us the reason why. He says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, let me just see a show of hands here. How many of you 
want to please the Lord and do His will. Can I see your hands? All right, everybody but the two sourpusses that I was talking about earlier. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm only kidding. Everybody going to go home and say, I wonder who they are. I'm just kidding. Relax. It'll be all right. Barney Five, he'll, he'll straighten it all out for us next week. It's the will of God for our lives. So if I'm not rejoicing always then I'm not doing the will of God for my life, right? If I'm not praying without ceasing, then I'm not doing the will of God for my life. And if I'm not being thankful and grateful, then I'm not doing the will of God for my life. It concerns me that there are times in my life where I intentionally do not do the will of God. Because I get myself in situations and I find myself in situations where I'm not rejoicing. You know, I made up my mind the beginning of this year. I'm not much to do, you know, the New Year's resolutions and all that, but I decided that I wanted to impact the atmosphere that I live in. Wherever I go, whatever I do, I want to be able to change it for the glory of God. Had to go to Lowe's the other day. And there's a lady that works at Lowe's, one of the cashiers. She's one of the most foul people that I've ever met. She always has a bad attitude, always. She's just one of those kind of people that her face is perpetually wrinkled because she frowns all the time. She's just one of those kind of people. You can ask her, how you doing? <laughs> you having a good day today? <laughs> oh. Now, typically, I try to avoid people like that. How about you? Typically, I would say, you know, I'll wait five times longer than I have to to get in this line rather than to have to go through this line because we Christians, we like favor. So I'm going to get in the line where I'm going to get favored. I went to the Lowe's the other day and for the last several times I've been there, I made up my mind, I don't care how long I have to wait, I'm getting in her line. I'm going to bless her if it kills her and me both. She's going to know about Jesus before too long. I haven't gotten to the Jesus part yet, but I've been building this relationship with her. And every negative thing that she says to me, I come back with something positive. I ask her, how you doing today? But isn't it great to be alive? I'm telling you, today is a wonderful day to be alive. Listen, some people, it just takes time. You know what I'm saying? But, but I want her to know that being a, now I've gotten to where when I go, I want to make sure that I have one of my spirit life church shirts on. And I'll walk up to her and I go, how are you today? How's it going? You know what I've noticed? 
the last few times the conversation has had a different slant to it. She's been being friendly back with me. She says, what are you doing today? I'm doing such and such and such. Oh, that sounds good. Come back and tell me how it went. I will. I'll do that. I might take some pictures with my phone. Come back and share you the project. Let you know what you're doing. Her demeanor is changing. And the reason that it is changing. Listen, I'm not bragging on me. I'm not bragging on me. We all ought to be doing things like this. We all ought to be saying, I'm here for a reason. I have a purpose. And my purpose is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We fill up boxes like this and send them all around the world. Not so that you can feel good about it, but so that someone can open it and hear about the love of Jesus Christ and the fact that Jesus came to die for their sins. It's okay for you to feel good about it, but that's not the primary purpose. The primary purpose of our living is to share with the world how good God is and how much he loves us. You say, well, pastor, I understand what you're saying today, but it's really hard. It's really hard because I have some very difficult things that I'm facing in my life. I'm living in, a, in an atmosphere, in a setting where it's very hard to be proactive and it's very hard to be productive and it's very hard to be positive and it's very hard. But you know, God never promised you that it would be easy. He said, in the world you shall have tribulation. Thank God he didn't stop there. But be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. Listen. There's no obstacle too high. There's no circumstance too hard that we, the children of God, cannot overcome through Jesus Christ and his power that is in us. I believe that with all of my heart. I don't think there's anything that I will ever face in this life that God is not able to resource for me and to allow me to be an overcomer. It doesn't matter. God is able. The scripture says he is well able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power of God that works in us. I want it to be at work in me, don't you? Stand with me if you will. As you're standing, I want to read to you the lyrics of a song that we used to sing years ago. I won't ask them to try to play it or sing it today because they'd be mad.